from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. Yes, indeed, to everyone in this world, and in this case, I wanted to say thank you to the supporters I have in Canada. Your support is very much appreciated, and it is especially appreciated in light of the fact that I am being a bit critical of one of your own, um, in this case, which happens to be Jim Gavigan, and that is the episode that we are going to be discussing. It is number 94, Truth or Bullshit. Is Jim Gaffigan an idiot? Now, um, first of all, let me stipulate that I have a pretty open mind and I have watched several of his routines and with each subsequent routine I had to force myself much more to sit through each one I do not find him remotely funny or interesting so I am going to stipulate that but in this video, um, which I believe it's all called something um, Big Brains, I believe it's his channel or his series or something, and it was called uh, Disagree With Someone, Calling Them a Moron Won't Help. And my response to that is, well, maybe not, but talking to someone endlessly when you're at an intellectual or ideological impasse doesn't either. Apparently, this is something that uh, Mr. Gaffin doesn't understand. So, <clears throat> now I'll tell you my own personal little story. When I was a kid, I guess I was around 10, 10-ish. Of course, um, you know, you've got the bully. And the bully, well, is a bully. And the bully, of course, um, is bigger than you. And uh, usually also they have their cohorts with them. They have their backup. And so um, the bully... Uh, just wants to basically intimidate you and kick your ass. We all know that. And so <clears throat> this guy, we'll call him Jackie. And um, yeah, I just started uh, the new school year for my next grade. And for whatever reason, he decides to uh, make my life a living hell. So... You know, that's what he did. 
That's what he started. And initially, um, you know, with uh, most normal people, you know, you could talk a little bit. Maybe it'll get you somewhere. Maybe, uh, maybe even another kid who's a friend of a friend might step in and then say, hey, you know, so-and-so is actually okay. You know, leave him alone. Whatever. Um, but that was not the case with me. He just wanted to um, fuck with me. There you go. <laughs> so, of course, after... You know, having my ass beat once, and I wasn't, uh, you know, crying exactly or whining, but I, you know, I talked to my dad and I said, Well, what do I do? And he said, uh, He looked at me and he said, Okay, now you're sure you didn't do anything to mess with this kid at all? And I said, Nope. So he's just bullying you. I said, yep. And he said, okay, well, this is what you've got to do. And he said, now, this is the hard way, but it's the most effective way. You got to do this. He said, what you got to do is the next time he messes with you, if you could get at him, you throw the first punch and try to knock his head off as hard as you can. And I thought, you know, he doesn't know this kid. And, and it's like, well, yeah, good luck with that. And he said, no, that's what you got to do. And then he said, he's probably going to kick your ass again. And he said, but here's what you have to do. You have to fight him with his own crazy. And I said, okay. And he said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you a couple rolls of dimes. I said, okay. So he gave me two rolls of dimes. He said, now you don't spend these. These are for your defense one for each hand and he showed me how to grip it and he said because when you do this and you use these he's going to feel your punch a whole lot more than without him and I said okay and he said now after this anywhere you see him in the neighborhood riding his bike with his friends Especially if, like, you see him, but he doesn't see you. You run up to him completely out of the blue, whether he sees it or not, and you try to knock his head off. Hard as you can. That's it. I said, okay. And I said, but he's just going to kick my ass. He says, no, let me finish. He says, <clears throat> do this as best you can. And what's going to happen is you might take you two times, three times, maybe four times. But if he's unless he's totally crazy, he'll just get sick of it.
He'll get sick of it, and he'll make peace with you. And I said, okay. And, um, you know, me and my dad, we had a really good relationship. And, you know, if my dad said something, it was pretty much gold. And we had that relationship until his passing. So, lo and behold, just like he told me to do, that's exactly what I did. And I got my ass kicked a little bit. And then I did it a third time. And I did it a fourth time. And then, out of the blue, when I come running to him to hit him, he's looking at me like he's the one that's scared. And he's hollering, hey, what the hell do you think you're doing? What are you doing, man? So I'm here to kick your ass. No further talk. No discussion. It took me, I think it was like the fifth time or the sixth time that I just charged at him like a maniac with all my courage to make sure, grab him by the shirt, grab him by the collar to pull him in while I punch as hard as I can into his face. And it was like the fifth time he just backed off, his hands up, he says, whoa, whoa, stop. He just like this, he just stop. He said, you know, you're a total piece of shit. But I'm tired of you fucking with me and I'm tired of fucking with you. I'll leave you alone. Is that a deal? And I said, it's a deal. Now, in addition to him not uh, doing that anymore, uh, I guess the rest of the kids, they saw it. And whatever they thought, well, you know, this kid must be crazy. And um, didn't bother me anymore. Didn't have any more problems. I didn't have any more problems with him again, ever. Now, I understand that in these times that we live in now, well, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be encouraged. But it worked then. And that is the difference, or one of the many differences, between then and now. Because now, we collectively have been conditioned to uh, basically turn the other cheek. And the primary uh, reason for that, as far as I'm concerned, is to make us more docile because it's all about being controllable and docile especially to any authority figure it is amazing it is absolutely amazing how long 
something that is taught, even that simple, can remain with a person for the rest of their lives. And they will continue to act docile, turning the other damn cheek at everything that comes their way in life. And this is not the way it should be. There are certain things that simply are at an impasse. For instance, oil and water do not mix. You can put them in the same container and you can shake the living hell out of it and all of the oil globules have broken up into very, very tiny particles. But as soon as you stop shaking them, they coagulate and draw together once again. I do not claim, and I have stated several times, I am not a religious person. And, um, but I understand the various religions. I understand many of the tenets of those religions and how they differ from each other in their pursuit of having eternal bliss with an invisible man in the sky. I get that. I understand it. Once, several, quite a few years ago, I was talking to a Muslim uh, man, young man. He was maybe three or four years um, older than I was. And I was talking to him simply about the differences or the similarities thereof between Islam and Christianity. And to his credit, <clears throat> he was very calm and very controlled, and he was very patient, and he listened intently to everything that I was saying. So there was a dialogue. There was an absolute dialogue. No, no question about that at all. But um, I don't know. After this went on for, I'm guessing, 45 minutes or so, when it was finally his turn to speak, um, he said, well, I, I heard what you're saying, and I actually already knew much of what you were saying. And, um, but Allah is the one true God. And he said, the Quran does say that uh, the rest are simply infidels. And I said, yes, and there's also a part of the Quran that says you need to annihilate the infidel. And very calmly, he looked at me and he said, yes. 
And then he went on backtracking, backpedaling a little bit. He says, but of course, blah, 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 and blah, 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 this, and blah, 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 that. I don't remember exactly what was said, but he was definitely backpedaling. And, uh, but in the final analysis, that is an impasse. There are certain things, whether it be intellectual or ideological, that are pretty much set in stone. So conversation can be good. Dialogue can be good. Sometimes there is some movement one way or the other that can be made. But generally speaking, I don't know, almost entirely 98% of the time, the things that are etched in stone, especially as ideology is concerned, it doesn't move. So it's not a question, Mr. Gatton, of people who are miscommunicating that they simply don't understand each other. We, the U.S. and the coalition forces, for instance, during World War II, the ones who stormed the beaches of Normandy, they understood very clearly the other side's position. And they understood ours. And unfortunately, it comes down to a situation where, well, the immovable object uh, meets the, uh, the unending force, so to speak, <laughs> the unstoppable force. I'm not advocating. I don't think any sane person, although there are many insane persons, unfortunately, in this world, and certainly in the U.S., that would want a civil war. But many of what many of the people, particularly the really young people, what they don't understand is that the protest marches, the things that they're protesting, essentially are non-essential because they're not, give it a few more years, give it, I don't know, three years, five years, somewhere around there. When they hit a certain stage and a certain age, that those things that they're so passionate about, that they're so fired up about, won't mean diddly shit. Because, as they use the term known as bread and butter issues, when you've been cohabitating since you were 18, and now you're 25, and the shit's getting old, and there's five, six, seven of you living in an apartment, and your pay is crap, and you can't even afford decent food, and your parents, 
I'm not talking about, of course, the wealthy. They don't have these issues. But I'm saying for most folks, they can only help so much themselves, especially if they're older. Young people looking around, and they're not stupid. They can see the future. As they say, they could read the writing on the wall and they don't see any relief. They don't see anything coming to help them. I mean, I remember, I'm old enough to remember, for example, when um, the, the pattern was, was that you simply... You know, you did the right thing, and if you wanted, I mean, hell, it didn't take a college degree to earn enough money to reasonably, I say reasonably, buy a home. And that was on one income. I remember that. It wasn't two people that had to work two or more jobs just to survive. I remember many people in my community, and this was not a rich community, not at all, but, uh, you know, the, the guy, the husband, he had a union job, it paid, paid well. Traditionalist, that terrible thing, old traditionalism. And, uh, yeah, we had a home a very modest home, but we had a home. We had a car. And all of that was on one income. All of it. And now people, they've, they've used every damn expression to lessen the pain of what it is, which is absolute servitude. Call it a gig economy. A side hustle. Anything that lessens the pain of what it actually is, which is indentured servitude with no possibility of any realistic change anytime soon. That's what the hell it is. But talking about, and I'm not, I don't mean to be lessening the importance of these issues. You know, one of them is, of course, the whole identity politics thing with gender issues and all of that. But you know something? Listen up to this, please, especially if you're a youngin, okay? When you have no place to live, because you can't afford even cohabitating, and you don't have any food, and you lost your car, and your family isn't much better off. Guess what? All that shit that you were, you know, carrying signs and pounding your fist in the air. Guess what? That shit is going to become so utterly meaningless to you. By comparison. Because that is not addressing the real issues. And the older you get the more those issues are going to come to the fore. And 
I don't wish it on you. I don't want it on you. But what I'm trying to tell you to help you prepare as best as I know how is at least it starts with being aware of this. Worrying about, for instance, um, well, there are some certain things in the environment because I know it's fashionable and all that. I get it. I understand that. But that shit is not the real issue. It's not. The real issue as far as the plutocrats who run this government want you to be distracted with every conceivable thing that consumerism can potentially deliver. So, I mean every distraction. Sports, video games, celebrity, the list goes on and on and on. But what it's coming down to is that the engine is grinding down because of, well, many other factors that I'm not going to go into right at this moment. But it's happening. This is someone who is much older, and I've seen this not to this extent, which is even more terrifying, but I've seen this before. And you know what? This goes back to the 70s. You know what else? Each time, it's getting worse. The boom and bust cycles are becoming more frequent, which is completely understandable and predictable. And the severity, the deeper the cut, is worse. And I hate to tell you this, but it's only going to get worse in the near foreseeable future, particularly in the next 10 years. So they'll try to divert you with anything. And then when that doesn't work, when the last thing, you know, when, when they've pulled the last card there, then how any excuse, any, it doesn't matter. Then it's time for a war. Here we go. We'll poke our asses, our, our business in, in people's asses and places that we don't belong because that's all we do. That's all we do anymore. And we're, you know, up until this point, we've been very good at it. But it's going to affect you. So is there another way? Yes. There is another way. And of course, that all depends on your personal circumstances. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you that if you have a modicum of money, of course, if you're rich, then none of this matters. You don't give a rat's ass. But assuming you're not rich, but you've got something then there are things that you can do to thwart these efforts that are being put against you. And all you have to do 
is listen to what I'm saying and maybe drop me a line so we could talk about it. Because you know what? It's not just you and I talking about this. You drop me a line, you put a comment, other people see that, and other people are going to be putting in their ideas and their experience. And that's how you learn. That's the potential of getting out of this shitstorm. Because that's basically what it's going to take. That's it. So, <clears throat> if I could just briefly get back to Jim Gaffin again. And he's talking about, with his episode, disagree with someone, calling them a moron won't help. Well, one of the things that he talks about in that uh, YouTube videos is, you know, being an idiot. Are you an idiot? I'd say it's like this. I don't want to call him an idiot. But I will say this. If it walks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, if you say things that are logically incoherent, quack, So what did you think of this episode? You can go on over to theearnestmanshow.com, find this particular episode number, and leave a comment for me and the rest of the world just below the player in the comments section. And additionally, unlike platforms such as this, I do not treat you or want to treat you as a child. I don't want to tell you what language you can use. I don't want to prescribe what are good words or what are mm, those bad words. I want you to have the freedom to express yourself exactly the way you wish. Until next time, this is Ernest Mann reminding you that there are no bad words, only bad actions.